You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. What I want to let you know about purpose, about living your calling, about doing what God wants you to do, about being who God has actually created you to be, is that to understand your life's purpose and calling, it must begin with God's nature. Why? Because it all begins with God. God is love. God is the one who created you. Everything starts with God. So some of the things that we'll talk about today in terms of purpose and calling and plan and love, it all begins with God. God is love. It's in his very nature, his essence. Part of who God is is love. Part of what we ask people to do is to be loving, And as you're loving, then maybe that kind of love becomes part of your character. Some of the core deepest needs we have are to be loved and to love. It's both. It's not one or the other. By nature, we love ourselves, but but God is the originator of love. It's who he is. Love didn't exist without God. It's part of God's very character, essence, and being. Everything was created as an object of his love. And the only reason there is love in the universe is God. Without God, there's no such thing as love. And ants and snails don't love. They survive. They exist. Uh, but you and I are different. We love and we have that internal need to both love and be loved because we are created in the image of God. We're different than the animals. They just survive. And then what we do is we actually love. We have that need inside of us. Why? Because human beings are created in the image of God. And here's why I believe today that you need this message. You need to know, which is up here, and experience, which is right here, the love of God in order to live out your purpose. See, ability and calling and purpose have no meaning without the context of love. When you have the context of love, then ability and purpose and calling and meaning all have their intended purpose. Without God's love, you'll never fully understand your unique creation and your unique calling. But I believe that as we walk through this series together, you will know and experience God's love in a new way, and you will re-energize your purpose. Some of you may say, well, hey, I studied this years ago, or I've read this book before sometime in the past, and and maybe you got a lot out of it or a little out of it, and I want to say this is a new season. You're not the same person you were 12, 15 years ago. You're a different person now. God's calling wants to take on a new aspect in your life. And I believe that even if you have dialed in, I think this is what God wants me to do and who he wants me to be, this is going to be a powerful moment for you today because I believe God's going to lay the foundation upon which he builds those purposes of your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his what? Help me out here out loud. Yeah, his pleasure and his will. Okay, so God, before the creation of the world, said, you're important. It is my pleasure. It is my will. It is my desire to know you, to love you. It is my desire to adopt you and call you to be my own. You were planned for God's pleasure. I want you to grab that idea for a moment, that you, your life, your being, your essence, the reason for your life, you yourself were planned by God for his unique pleasure. The reason that you're alive is God wanted to love you. 
See, some of us have another reason we're alive. Oh, the reason I'm alive is my parents had an unwanted pregnancy maybe, or the reason I'm alive is that this happened or that happened, or you're reflecting the story from something else. Maybe for years your parents wanted kids, and then you were alive, and you think that's the reason you're alive. No, the reason you're alive is because God wanted to love you. In this series, we will unpack five different callings on your life. And callings are purposes, plans, assignments, uh, the reason for existence. And we're going to look at those. But I want you to understand your first purpose. Before we get to all the doing, before we get to all the being, what we want to do is understand the first and primary purpose of your life. And the first purpose of my life is to be loved by God. Before you get to anything else, the very first purpose of your life is to be loved by God. The first purpose is not to serve him or obey him or trust him or do something for him. The first purpose of your life is to let God love you. Do you realize that sometimes you stiff arm God? You push back against his love, and yet his purpose, his desire, the very first thing that he wants, the very first purpose of your life is to let God love you. To let him love you. Let this sink in. The very first duty is not to do anything. He's not saying, hey, I want you to learn this. I want you to listen to this. I want you to pray about this. I want you to give in these ways. He is saying your very first purpose is just simply be loved by God. Isn't that good news? This morning, when you walk into church, I want you just to realize that today, right here, right now, I want you to rest in God's love. It's almost like you, you would just go, and take a moment and just rest in the fact that God loves you. Jude, who has a very short book in the New Testament, but he writes this, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. The very first thing is Jude is opening his gospel. He's addressing the people of God, and he says, you've been called. And not only have you been called, but you've been loved. So in other words, you were called by God before you were born, and the very first thing that happens in your life is that you're loved. So before you were born, before you did anything, you were called and you were loved. God has a purpose for your life. And the very first primary purpose for your existence is to let God love you. Well, how do we do that? What does that look like? How do I let God love me? My first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. My first calling is not to be religious my first calling is not to do a bunch of other things. It's not to make every accomplishment that I want for Christ. My first job, my primary purpose is to be loved by God and to enjoy a relationship with him. See, it's not about role in your life or responsibility or rule or regulation or ritual. What kind of relationship is this? Does God want you to be his? Think about it for a moment. Does God want you to be his? He loves you. He created you. He wants you to be his. You say, well, I've got things in my life that prohibit that. No, 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 no. Before you did any of those things, you were called, you were loved by God. Is God calling you, hey, you got to be a worker, you got to be a citizen, a slave, a servant, a soldier. These are all pictures that we see in the New Testament 
But he's saying your primary job is to let God love you. And then out of that relationship, then I serve God. Out of that relationship, then I love others. Out of that relationship, my citizenship is in heaven, not on earth. Out of that relationship, I work and use my gifts and abilities in a way that honor God. But the first part is simply to let God love you. To rest in that. Romans 1, 7, Paul's writing to the church in Rome. He says, all the, in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. In his opening remarks, he's basically saying, listen, you're loved and you're called. That God initiated love first. He has loved you first and now he's called. He has a purpose for your life. Well, what does that relationship look like? That relationship looked like that God created you for is to be a son or a daughter. You want to be God's son or God's daughter. It's the most amazing truth that the creator of the universe, God of heaven, wanted a family to love. And so he said, I want you to be in my forever family. That's a beautiful thing that God would say, why, why us? There are other people on this earth, they have high position, they have high calling. They do not want you in their family. They don't. You can't get an appointment with them. But God, in his great love for you, wants you to be part of his forever family. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John writes about God, says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. In other words, the world may reject you. The world may not understand you. The world may not understand your relationship with God. But God wants you in relationship with him. He wants you in relationship with him as a son or a daughter. Really, we're an imperfect son or daughter, except we're perfected by Christ. But we come before a holy God, a perfect God. He's got perfect love. He never goes aside from having perfect love. He loves you perfectly. He doesn't love you out of manipulation. He doesn't love you out of pressure. He doesn't love you saying, would you please live your life straight so that other people don't think poorly of me? That's not what God thinks. God loves you with a perfect love. It's unbelievable that he would lavish that kind of love on us. This is your number one calling in life. That you are called to be a human being. See, most of us are used to being a human doing. We want to excel, perform. We want to prove ourselves. We want to yeah, help. But God's saying, listen, before you do anything, before you're trying to be a human doing, I just want you to be in relationship with me. Will you let me love you? Will you receive and know the love of God? It, your very identity is being a son or daughter of the Most High God whom he loves, with whom he is well pleased. In other words, before you've done anything, God loved you. God was pleased in you before you did anything, before you turned your heart toward him, before you responded to his love. In any way, God's heart is by your very existence. You are loved by God. That's your identity. And he calls you and I to be children of the Most High God. What a beautiful thought that our identity is like that. We're reminded in Mark chapter 1 that as Jesus, before he did anything in ministry, really, he went down and he was baptized. And as he's coming, before he gets baptized, before he even does that act and does the baptism, God speaks his identity. He says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. That's 
his identity. And that's the place God keeps bringing you and me back to today. And so this morning, God is calling you to remind you that today he loves you. Your identity is simply to be loved by him, that he is well pleased with you, that he loves you, and you are and have full rights as a son or a daughter of the most high God. Well, why would God do this? Why would God love people like that? Why would God call us? Well, why God would do this is he wants to express his love. Just like you and I want to be loved, but also to love. God is saying, I am love, and so I'm going to express my love. And God's love is extravagant. He lavishes it on you. It is beyond comprehension. I mean, literally, I think walking through our entire lives, we will know deeper and deeper the love of God. That the longer you're a Christian, that the more that you walk in the scriptures, that the more that you walk in relationship with Jesus, you have this deeper understanding that burns through you of the love of God and it blows your mind. The longer you've been a Christian, you should say, I am more impressed now that God would receive me than when I accepted Christ. And I'm so grateful that God is still receiving people who are in the same mud and mire that I was when I was called. The same mess that I was, or even worse mess than I was. I'm so grateful that God is still calling to himself people that I will never even know, but God's love is lavish like that. I shouldn't be bitter that God calls someone out of the muck and mire to himself. But I should love it. I should respond. It's really beyond comprehension how much God loves you. Let me give you some examples. God loves you on bad days. God loves you on good days. God loves you on the downright ugly days. He loves you on all the days. In fact, he will never love you any more or less than he loves you right now. See, but we change that, right? We think, well, God loves me more when I do. God loves me more when I obey. God loves me more when I'm perfect. God loves me more when I, and uh, I want you to understand, stop that. That's the performance game. What I want you to understand in this moment is that he will never love you any more or less than he does right now. That's a perfect love. That's the love of God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Here's Paul's prayer. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. Now that word grasp, I want you to understand this. That word grasp is not to, to understand cognitively. The word grasp is this idea that this knowledge like acid burns down through your entire soul and being. So he's saying, I want you not just to get it, but I want you to like get it. Like it just burns all the way down and through you. It's all throughout that that's how God loves you. So he's saying this, that you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God loves you and he wants that love to like burn through you. He wants to get through you. And some of you are like, no, God, I want to know that you love me. But on the inside, I'm not going to believe that you love me. Like, I know it, but I'm going to refuse to believe it. And if I refuse to believe it, then I refuse to let you love me, is what happens. Now, some of you, you're believers. But for some time, you've been walking away from the Lord and stiff-arming him because you're refusing to let him love you. 
And Paul's heart is this, listen, over the course of our lives, I want us to know more and more and more how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. And, and you say, okay, well, draw that out for me. How wide? How wide is God's love? Well, it's wide enough to be everywhere. How wide is God's love? There's no place that you could be where God isn't. You say, I've been to some pretty bad places. There's no place you can be where God isn't. You may feel alone, but you will never be alone. You say, well, okay, that's how wide. Well, how long? How long is God's love? Long enough to last forever. His love will last forever. Human love wears out, but God's love will never, he will never stop loving you. You say, well, how deep? Deep enough to handle anything. No matter the pain or the hurt or the problem in your life, God's love is deep enough to get there with you. God's love is deep enough to get in the pit of hell that you're experiencing or the pit of hell that you put yourself in. God's love is deep enough to be down in there with you, to go get you. It's deeper than that. It's deeper enough in there to lift you up out of that miry pit. God's love is deep. He loves you. And then you say, well, how high? How high is God's love? Well, it's high enough to overlook my mistakes. Regardless of what you've done in life, regardless of the sins you've committed, regardless of the person that you've been, regardless of whether other people know who you've been on the inside or not, on the outside, you've got to realize that God loves you in and out through you. He will offer to forgive you. He will help you start over. He will help you begin again. That's how great his love is for you. He did all this so he could say, I love you. He said, understand my love. I want that to burn through you. How high and deep and wide and long his love is. Listen, let me ask this question. How could your daily life change if you felt all the time that God completely and constantly loves you? Think how you think when you wake up in the morning. Think how you think when you go to work. If you just constantly, all the time in your emotions, if you felt like, I feel like God always loves me completely, how would it change? Well, before we get to answering that question, I want us to respond to God's love with worship. Will you stand with me and just put your things down? We're going to respond to God by singing that song again. Maybe you sang it earlier and you kind of went through the motions or whatever, but right now that you're going to respond back to God. God, you love me and we're going to thank you. We're going to respond back to you in worship as we sing. I'm no longer slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. And I'm no longer Declare that this morning. Sing. I'm no longer slave to fear. Oh, no, I am a child of God. Yeah. Sing. I'm no longer slave to fear. Oh, no, I am a child of God. You speak the same.
It's awesome. You may be seated. Isn't that good news? God loves you. He loves you so much. We're no longer slaves to fear, but that we can rest. That we are a child of God. We ask that question, what changes happen if I continually stay aware of God's constant love for me? How would I feel? How would I think? How would I act? Well, let's talk about those a little bit today. Number one on your outline says, I feel accepted rather than ashamed. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. Most people avoid God. Why? Because they feel ashamed, they feel judged, they feel guilty. But Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Paul writes to those who have believed, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word justified means just as if I never did it. It means declared not guilty. In fact, it means in a courtroom setting, found, legally found, not guilty. It's as if I never did it. And in God's eyes, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, when you and I put our faith and our trust in what Christ did on the cross, we are declared not guilty. In that moment that we receive relationship with God, that we put our faith, our trust, we place that in what Jesus already did, our sins are washed away. We're declared not guilty in that moment. So because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us avoid God because you think you don't have peace with God right now. You think that your sin wrecked your peace with God. And this sets you free, understanding that God's love is there, it's available, that you've been justified in Jesus Christ. It sets you free from the approval addiction, right? We live in a culture that is a, addicted to approval. Little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? It used to be a doctor, firefighter, you know, whatever, and now they're like, I want to be famous. Literally, my four-year-old little nephew a couple years ago, I said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? He goes, a YouTuber. All right, what does he want? What's he learning to want? He wants approval. He wants to be famous. They don't care if they make a lot of money. Instead, they just want the fame. They want to be famous. And approval addiction means you and I always get worried about being accepted by others. How many of you find yourself doing that? Is it just me? You're worried somebody doesn't like you. Somebody's angry at you. Somebody's upset at you. And what does that do in that moment to how you feel? Suddenly you get in the approval game. You're like, oh, I, I got to like make it right. I got to like defend myself. I got I to gotta do this and that. And you try to, try to do that. And other people, you're like, hey, I, I don't want to be accepted by others. That's too high a bar. And some of you in this room, you're just trying to live up to who your dog thinks you are. <laughs> you're like, that's a lot easier, right? I wish people were that easy. Wouldn't that be nice, right? But that's what you're trying to do. Listen, criticism will bother you a whole lot less if the creator of the universe says, you're okay. You're good. Romans chapter 8, verse 33, Paul argues, he says this, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Here's a fact that you need to grab in your life. You don't need other people's approval to be happy. You can be happy when someone else is mad at you. 
You can be happy in your life because God approves of you. But here's the picture of what he's talking about in, in Romans right there. It's a beautiful picture. He's saying, who's going to condemn you before God the Father? Picture with me the courtroom of heaven for a moment. Let's say Satan comes into the courtroom of God. He wanders in there, as we've seen in Scripture, and he comes up and he brings a charge against you to God the Father. He says, hey, I want to charge you. And oftentimes, let's just be honest, the devil doesn't have to make stuff up. Because we give him a lot of stuff that would be true about us, right? His charge might be accurate. His charge might be absolutely correct. And we would look at that and say, oh, oh my goodness, I have no standing with that because he's actually telling the truth of all things. And so he walks into the courtroom of God. He declares that you're guilty and he points it out the way that you and I are guilty. And Jesus steps in and goes, paid for. Paid for it. My blood covered that. So before God the Father, here's God the Son, complete unity, God in one in essence, and God's Holy Spirit who's in us, and would say there's a deposit in you, Jesus' blood has covered you, and before God the Father, all things are declared not guilty. Jesus is interceding. He prays for us. Jesus is one who is our advocate. He's the one who advocates on our behalf because of his sacrifice on the cross. God loves you, and you can feel accepted rather than ashamed. Second, what would happen if you and I were continually aware of God's love in our life? Something else would happen in our lives, and it's this. I'm bold in bringing my needs to God. I'd be able to come boldly before him and ask, and boldly before him and pray. One of the beautiful things about Abraham Lincoln is that he gave, though he was president of the United States, he gave his son complete access to him at any time. His little son, Tad, could barge in at any moment, and his dad would actually turn to him and, and uh, accept him and address him and, and welcome him into whatever that meeting was. You can imagine other dignitaries and other people standing around like, is this normal? I can't believe a kid just ran here. But Abraham Lincoln would welcome him in. He, had, he Basically, his son, he gave his son an all-access pass. A couple weeks ago, we had the afters here, and they're uh, playing a concert, and many of you were here in attendance that night. And if you served that night, you got a lanyard around your neck and a little, like, you know, a little tag on that lanyard. And that lanyard is like an all-access pass. Now, if you serve, typically you're going to serve wherever, if you were helping with crowd or whatever, you stay there and serve. But it really gives you all access. So I was shooting pictures that night, so I went back around behind stage. I could have come on stage. I did come on stage a little bit. I didn't come out there and like guitar or rock or anything, but came and taking some pictures, right? And I, but it, it gave me, I could go anywhere. It gave me all access. Why? Because I had the lanyard. Well, what God is saying, listen, when you have your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have God's Holy Spirit in you. You now have complete access to me. You have an all access pass. Listen, I have to make an appointment to get my car fixed. If I pull up and I go, do you have an appointment? Oh, you're at the end of, you're next week, you know, whatever, right? But like right now, we have to, we can go approach God anywhere. Have full access to him because of our place, like one of his children, that we have complete access to God and he will welcome you. It says this in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and then we'll look at uh, verse 15 and 17. 14 says this, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the what? children of God. Thank you. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, just like we sang, so that you live in fear. We're no longer slaves of fear, right? The spirit received brought about your adoption to sonship. And that's not a sexist statement in scripture. Sonship is saying this. 
He's making a picture. You're adopted and you have the full rights of being a legally adopted son under Roman law, which meant you had full rights. It was as if you were a blood relative. You have all the rights, all the privilege, all the acceptance, all the citizenship as an adopted son or daughter. So he says this, adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. I want you to let you know that that's an endearing statement. The word Abba. Abba is not a Swedish rock band. It means daddy. It doesn't just mean like father. By him we, by him we go to the father, God the father. And we approach him, but we, we approach him like daddy. Like we have complete access that we can come to him with anything. That we can approach him. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to have our tail tucked between our legs. But that we can come to God. And he is loving us. In talking about prayer, Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What does with confidence mean? It means be bold. Don't come ask cowering and in fear like, hey, but be bold, ask. Jesus said, he said in the New Testament, you can ask for anything in my name. And the key there is in my name. In other words, in my authority, in my name, you can ask for anything. Now, God doesn't give you anything if you ask for it because some of you are like, cool, I'm going to be driving a Ferrari. (laughs) But God may not give you that. But God will say, listen, you can approach my throne. You can boldly do that. You can ask in my name. And the thing that God loves the most is that we ask of him the things that, that he desires in our lives. We just pray and we ask, but we can boldly come before him with anything. Nothing's too foolish. Nothing's too small. Nothing's too, you can ask. God may say yes, no, or not yet. Those are his three answers. But he's saying you can come and what happens more often than not We don't believe he'll answer us or we don't believe we're worthy and all the things the enemy uses to make you and I feel orphaned by God. And God says, be bold. Come ask. Ask to heal my relationship. Ask to heal my life. God asked it. And sometimes even in my dad died of pancreatic cancer and we asked God, would you heal him? And God didn't answer yes in this life, but he answered yes the day my dad died because his faith and trust was in Christ. And in that same day, he is in the presence of the Lord, free from fear, free from pain. He's not a slave. He is loved by God. This relationship he experienced on earth is now what he knew and could not see. He now sees face to face. He healed him. You can ask for anything. Jesus said, in my name, he's giving us his power. He's giving us his authority. Number three, I have peace in pain I don't understand. Listen, in times of inexplicable hurt or grief, you and I can have what the Bible describes as the peace that passes understanding. In other words, something happens by knowing God, by coming before him, by being a loved one of God, by being his child, that in life, when we walk through the grief of life, the pain of life, the suffering of life, that in those moments, we can also have a peace that doesn't make sense. People are like, how can you have peace in a time like this? And you go, I know, it doesn't make sense, but God gives me a peace. It doesn't mean I'm free from pain. 
God doesn't give us freedom from pain in this life. God doesn't give us guarantees that nothing bad ever happens in this life. Philippians 4, 7, talking about in even times like that, putting our thoughts, our minds on Christ and what is good and right and just. He says, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? You will have peace that doesn't make sense. It transcends understanding. It doesn't make sense. It passes understanding. See, you can go through life without God and you'll just have pain. Or you can go through life with God, and in our pain, you can also have peace. It's your choice. Will you choose to receive and let God love you, even if you are in an extremely painful, impossible situation right now? A lot of years ago, I used to carpool to school. And I was a little kid, maybe seven years old. So what's that, second grade? And, uh, and so I'm in, in the car, and we would carpool with, uh, one of the families we carpooled with was the Likes family. They'd be very popular in this day and age. But they were the Likes family. And Bob Likes would drive us in the morning, and I think he had a little Beamer station wagon that seated a bunch of people. And so he'd be driving that thing. But he would play the, hey, I'll give you money if you'll be quiet game. <laughs> I hated that game. Made that trip so long. I mean, are you kidding me? But that was him. He was just like, don't, don't talk. I want to just, you know, enjoy. But then his wife would pick us up in the afternoons at school, and then she would carpool and drive us all home, and that was Mrs. Likes. And Mrs. Likes was much more verbal than Mr. Likes. And there was one time when uh, I was seven years old, and we're going around a corner. We had just dropped a kid off, and, and he had closed the door, and we were going around the corner. And as we were around the corner, my brother Doug is sitting next to me, and I'm in the middle uh, of a back seat of a car, and he's sitting next to me. As we go around the corner, the door opens up, Doug goes out, the door closes. And so we go, Mrs. Likes, Doug just fell out of the car. And she goes, oh, my beep, 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 beep. I'm sure there's a few more in there, right? <laughs> Thought she was speaking in tongues. <laughs> so she slams the brakes, right? You know, pulls over, opens her door. The car's still running. She goes running out there, gets my brother. He comes back in. He, he scraped up. He scraped his lip. And he's got like, you know, like little silver dollar scrapes all over his, his poor little body. And, and I remember being like young and I was like, like, you know, and I can't remember which way, you know, who was supposed to get dropped off next, but I guarantee we went straight to my house. There was no like, you know, she rerouted, you know, Google Maps helped her, I'm sure. But she, she basically was like, we're going straight. And I remember driving and I'm looking at Doug and he's in pain and he's bleeding. And I'm like, oh, this just happened to my brother. I'm like real little. And I, all I can remember was my dad's going to take care of this. My mom's going to take care of this. My parents will take care of this. Like there was pain and, and I didn't know what to do. But I just I remember having this confidence like, you know what? They're going to take care of this. If we could just get there, they're going to handle it. Your heavenly father loves you. See, human fathers can't handle everything, but your heavenly father can. Your, heaven, your earthly fathers can't fix everything, but your heavenly father can. God has unlimited power and unlimited love. And some of you feel like you fell out of the car. You feel like you took a tumble and you feel like God may not even want you back. But God's saying, come home. I can handle it. I can handle the pain. I can handle your suffering. I can handle your health. I can handle all those things. I may not ultimately give you freedom till the day that you're with me. 
but I'll give you a peace that passes understanding, that just doesn't make sense in the pain that you're facing. See, God's love doesn't exempt you and I from pain, and it doesn't exempt you and I from making dumb mistakes. We still have the capacity to make dumb decisions, right? But we do have this promise, Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, right, the good, the bad, the ugly, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you realize that God could use your sin and bring good out of it? Do you realize that God's love, the scriptures describe it as this, that it is God's kindness that leads us to return to him. To, it's, it's God's compassion that leads us to come back to him. It's not his judgments. It's not his righteous decree. But that it's his love that draws you and I to return to him, to turn back toward him, to come from our wandering and return toward him. God loves us like that. And because of God's love being like that, Number four, I gain the courage to take risks. I gain the courage to take risks. When someone believes in you, you can accomplish great things, right? If there's sometimes, you look at the, the decisions of your life and you're like, if there was just one person who believed in me, then it gave me the confidence to follow through. It gave me the confidence to take the risk. It gave me on my own, I never would have had it, but that one person believing in me let me accomplish great things. When I was 16 years old, uh, I had my license for a little bit, and on my first solo drive, I got T-boned by some other lady, and that's a different story for a different day. But a couple months into driving, I was thinking I was pretty invincible, and we had just dropped some people off. We'd gone to Magic Mountain all day long, and so at the end of the day, we dropped them off, and I pulled, it's just me and my brother in the car, and I pulled up on the, this gutter to turn left, and there was some water in the gutter, some slime, and I thought, I'm going to show off. So I hit that gas, and I go out into that, that road, but there's also gravel in the road from where a dirt road ended at the time. And so I hit that and I start fishtailing all over the place. And I fishtail and there's nowhere to go. I can't control the wheel. I can't keep up with it. And all of a sudden I slammed into a parked car. I mean, how can you miss a parked car? You can't, just, you know, there's nowhere to do. It's just right there, just boom, slammed into it. And the whole, I remember the hood of the Buick going up like that. I just want to let you know, my parents are going to make me drive a Buick to school. And uh, back in that day, that was not so cool. So I just took care of that problem right there. But I literally thought, they're never going to let me drive again. Like, like, I'm done driving. Like, that's it. I'm done. Like, it, they're not going to trust me. I don't trust myself. I mean, like, but it took a parent who would come along and say, no, you need to not be stupid, not make dumb decisions. You need to take restitution and make repair. But we're going to keep you on the driving track. One person who will believe in you. God believes in you like that. You have no idea how many times your heavenly father just wants to come up and wrap his arms around you. When you were hurting, when you were in despair, when you were in the pit, that God just loved you. You had no idea how many times he's wanted to comfort you over the years. For some of you, God has been waiting your entire life for this kind of breakthrough moment to where his love actually begins to resonate with your heart. When you stop performing, you stop trying to be religious, and you get to a point where you're trying to say, God, I just, I want you. I want you, and I want you to love me. This is the beginning of the rest of your life. You've been afraid to surrender your life to God. You've been running away. 
because you had no idea how much he loves you. You thought you were running away because of your stuff, but the truth is you just didn't have any idea how much God's love has been lavished on you. John, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear's got to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God's love is perfect. And perfect love will drive out fear, fear having to do with punishment. And if you and I could just let that, that beginning of God's love just burn its way through us to our heart and realize how much he loves us and how much he cares for us, then you and I can respond to his love and back to him in a way that we're going to be accepted, that we're going to be received, we're going to be loved because we put our faith and trust in what he did for us on the cross. So how do I become a son or a daughter of God? John 1.12 tells us, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a beautiful statement. It is when you believe, God gives you the chance to receive forgiveness for your sin. When you believe in God, God gives you the chance to receive that you are a new creation on the inside. He gives you his Holy Spirit to live in you and to give you motivation and to work in you as a deposit inside in this life that when you get to heaven you are received in the next God changes us from the inside out does the things in us that we could not do for ourselves and that's how we become how do I become a child of God I believe in his name and he gives me the right to become children of God this is your moment with your heads bowed your eyes closed let's just talk to God for a minute there are some of you in this room who you have believed in Christ. You, you are a believer. You made that decision at some point in your life. Many of you in this room making that decision. And, and yet you realize I've been running. I've not been letting the love of God burn through me. And today God's just inviting you to run back to him. To let him embrace you. To say I believe in you. You don't believe in you. But I believe in you. And I'm going to help you in the second half. I'm going to help you with the years you have left. I'm going to help you where the years that got eaten away by misbehavior or the locusts or whatever else in your life. I'm going to replace those and repair those and redeem those years in your life. But there's others of you in this room. You realize you've never received the forgiveness of God. You've never accepted Christ. You've never received him. And today you'd like to do that. The scriptures say we believe in his name and we receive him. We have the right to become his children. If that's you today, right where you're seated, you pray a prayer like this after me. Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. That you were buried that you rose to new life because you are God. I ask you to come into my life and make me a new creation. Forgive all my sin and adopt me as your son or daughter because today I give you me. Right now, around the room, if you pray that prayer, will you raise your hand up? Anywhere around the room that today was the day that you said, that's me, that's me today. Awesome right here, great decision you could ever make. Jesus, we're so grateful for you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for your great, lavish love on us. And God, remind us to walk in that this week as we look at the last point. In Jesus' name, amen.
Last point on your outline. We got time for just one more benefit of being reminded about God's love, and that's this. I worship instead of worry. I worship instead of worry. Worship is expressing my love to God. So when you come to church here, we express our love to God through song. We'll sing, we'll read his word, we'll, do, we'll love one another, we'll, we'll enjoy each other. But worship is also what happens when you obey and when you serve and when you use your gift and when you live your purpose. In all these ways, that's worship. When you walk out of here, guess what you are? You're a walking worship service. So when you're going throughout the week and you're like, I'd rather give glory to myself and please myself, but it's wrong, I'm going to please God instead, that's worship. You just worshiped. That's what you did right there. When you said, I'm going to say no to these things I've been saying yes to, and I'm going to start walking toward God, you're worshiping. That's an act of worship to get rid of that thing you need to get rid of. It's worshiping. But what happens we get all involved in worry. We're not sure God loves us. We're not sure he's powerful enough. We're not sure he can control our life. We're not sure he can be our source. And so we worry. But when we are convinced of God's love, we worship instead of worry. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. God took the initiative with you. God started it. He took it first. That's what he does. He loves you like that. Your problem isn't that you don't love God enough. I believe you do. Your problem is you have not been aware of how much God has loved you or you've forgotten how much God loves you. You've forgotten that his love should burn through you, that his love is big enough to handle it all, all of it. And so you've been worrying. What's the warning sign that you've forgotten how much God loves you? Is that you worry. So you're living like a practical atheist. You said, no, 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 I believe in God. But people look at your life and they're going, you act like there's no God. You act like God couldn't handle that. You worry like God won't take care of that or them or this situation. What's the greatest sign that we forget how much God loves us? It's when we begin to worry. And so in Matthew 6, it says, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God loves you. God's your source. He's your provider. He's given you everything you need to worship him. He's given you all of it. This promise that we just read is why we're doing Live Your Calling series all other four callings that we'll look at over the next four Sundays will flow out of this one, simply being loved by God. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.